Hello, and welcome to the Enterprise Endpoint Experts Podcast, eCubed. I'm your co-host, Bill Burnett, and with me today is Amy Casto, your other co-host. Good morning, Amy. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Good, good. And our guest today is Andy Malone. Andy is a speaker, author, trainer, consultant. He's the CEO of Quality Training, the founder of the Microcrimes Security Forum. He's been a Microsoft MVP for 11 years, and he's been a Microsoft MCT, Microsoft Certified Trainer, for 21 years, based out of Scotland. And I just want to say right off the top, Andy, uh, you are an underachiever. You, you really need to work a little harder on that CV, I think. Yeah, you know, my wife says that too, actually. So, <laughs> But I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. Uh, what people may not know about Andy is that in addition to being, you know, a world-class security expert and trainer, he actually writes sci-fi books. So he's written a sci-fi thriller kind of in the vein of Highlander or Outlander meets the Da Vinci Code called Seventh Day. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's um, set in Scotland. Um, it starts in 1710, and it's basically the story of a silver miner who um, discovers something he shouldn't have discovered, and as a consequence, he's thrown forward 300 years in time. And it's a race against time to find out what's happened, why it's happened, and ultimately who's responsible. And it's um, this particular book was the first in a, a three-part series, um, the second of which is called Shadows Rising, which will be released in the next couple of months. And it's, um, it's all finished. We're just editing it at the moment. Wow, that's fantastic. That's really exciting. <clears throat> so congratulations on that. And now I'm curious okay. to go, re go read Seventh Day, and then I'll be eagerly awaiting Shadows Rising. So our topic today is best practices for security configuration management for IT pros. Um, <laughs> although it would be fun to just talk about time travel instead, but we'll stick to the topic because some people may have enterprises they need to keep secure, whatever. Um, what is the number one thing, Andy, that you would say people need to do to keep an enterprise secure? Is it just basically like applying your OS updates? You you got it. Absolutely. That I would say that's probably the number one thing. Patch, patch, patch. And when you finish patching, patch some more, I would say. Uh, switch off any services, disable any ports that you don't need, and just keep all your systems up to date. Uh, amazing how many people remember to do their physical systems, but remember you also need to do the non-physical, so kind of your virtual machines as well, and as well as your client machines. Um, because this is how malware gets in, of course. Malware, you know, takes no prisoners. So you've got to keep your systems up to date and patched, especially uh, antivirus as well. And why why don't people do that? What what barriers do they hit that prevent them from keeping everything up to date? Um, I think a number of barriers, actually. Um, I mean, if you look back at um, Windows 10, for example, um, when it was initially released, um, it was Microsoft kind of had this kind of knack of forcing updates on people, which they they kind of still do. And I and I for one, I do like it. So in in the days of yore, you were talking about time travel. Um, so in the in the old days, 
Microsoft had this thing called Patch Tuesday, and we all remember that. You download huge, big updates, and then the administrator would have to go off and deploy those. Well, now, of course, it's not like that. Now it's very much drip, drip, drip the way these updates come down. But the problem is, and despite their best efforts, um, Microsoft um, still say, hey, you know, we need to install this update, and we still, we, uh, you know, once you've installed it, we need to reboot your machine. In fact, let's just do it for you right now. And of course, they're not giving anybody any warning. The machine, they're working away, machines reboot, and basically a lot of people get upset. And as a consequence of that, of course, what do people do? They switch it off. Uh, they turn it off so that they can do it manually. And of course, then people start forgetting. Andy, would you say that Microsoft is actually improving on that now, now that they're seeing that people are turning it off and not really staying compliant or just not doing the right thing? I absolutely, totally agree with you there. Uh, ever since the, you know, the more recent updates of Windows 10, um, that they're now giving people the option, hey, do you, you know, obviously you're busy right now, would you like to schedule it so we can schedule the, the update or would you like to do it manually now? And I think it's putting a little yellow bar at the top of the screen so it's recommending it's, and it's reminding people. So that's really improving things. And that's, so that's for the OS. What about third-party patching? Is that a barrier you see people hitting as well? I guess that's a more complicated uh, thicket. You know, I think the application, I mean, in terms of the OSs, um, you know, what we're seeing in the cybersecurity industry is that the focus is moving away from typically attacking operating systems. Um, and it's really moved to not just um, applications, but also mobile OSs as well, like Android and so on. Um, so the focus is kind of really on the applications to be updating themselves. Um, or, you know, being part of an update program. So, for example, if you're using tools like Config Manager System, you know, System Center Config Manager, if you're using Windows Intune, you can actually download, you, you can actually download the updates from um, the vendors, and then you can push them out to your users as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Android, and I'm kind of curious, with iOS and Android, how are how do you see companies handling security around those devices? Do they kind of just let people? Well, um, a lot of companies. Go ahead. A, a lot of companies in terms of um, uh, Android. Android is because it's open source. It's potentially wide open. So um, you know, if I was an enterprise company taking on Android as an enterprise platform, that you're already a little risky there. Um, where I would say Apple, on the other hand, well, Apple have been criticized because in terms of patching, in terms of vulnerabilities, Apple have a policy of not um, announcing that we have vulnerabilities. So you really never know what's happening. Where on the flip side, of course, Microsoft do. They do let you know. They let you know that there's updates. Um, but what we're actually seeing is a lot of vendors, Adobe, um, the, you know, the various vendors, they, they're pretty good, actually, at keeping their systems up to date now. And they kind of follow a similar model to Microsoft, where they're kind of drip, 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 feeding the updates. Okay, great, great. And so it's, um, it's not a, it's not, 
the so I guess my I guess my question is does the company um force the people to do the updates or are they just sort of letting people manage the systems on their own? I guess that's that's just a question about depending I, I guess that varies from company to company. It does. It does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, some of the smaller vendors, um, you know, you can kind of, con they have self-configuration where you can configure it. The bigger vendors, of course, um, like, like Adobe, actually, they have templates that you can use in, for example, in products like um, System Center Config Manager, Windows Intune, uh, and so on. Awesome. So when you see MDM in a corporate environment, are companies really paying attention to how they need to lock down, say, the use of Office 365, um, you know, to make sure data isn't leaked or to make sure that business units aren't sharing sensitive data between business units? Do you see that being a thing? I hear a lot of talk about it. I don't know if people are actually using it. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, Microsoft introduced a few months back, well, no, not more than a few months back, they had this uh, little piece of software called Secure Score. And you as an administrator can run Secure Score on your Office 365 portal. And the idea is that if, the higher the score, the more secure that you are. So Microsoft give you all of the security tools, but don't necessarily configure them for you. So you might go in and you might find yourself being horrified that you've got like a really terrible score. Um, so, I mean, there are, there are tools, things like rights management, there's, um, you know, um, best practices, you know, for that, of course. Now, in terms of mobile device management, um, Microsoft are giving you this for free. So in the days of, let's say, Microsoft Exchange, we all know about Exchange Active Sync. And if you had a corporate phone, if you lost your phone or the, the person left the company, the administrator could remote wipe the phone, they could you know, disable the phone and so on. But of course, now we're all walking around with, with our own devices. Um, so it's kind of bring your own device. And what we've seen is an explosion in, in tools and software that can handle this. So Microsoft give you uh, mobile device management and MDM really just covers the phone part of it. So it just covers like Windows, it covers Android and it covers, um, for example, Apple. Um, and if you wanna go beyond that, that's when you start looking at, for example, um, Windows Intune. Okay, speaking of Intune, um, do you see companies using Intune or anything else um or are, are, are they just starting to get into the game do you know uh, i will be do you want me to be honest with you i'll be honest windows has had a rocky road um i think in the in the early years system center config manager was very very much the tool of choice for the enterprise environment and kind of intune intune really started strong but kind of fell by the wayside as the development teams at microsoft um more focused on scom and now what we're seeing is we're now starting to see the opposite. So now that everything's in Azure, we're now starting to see a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort going into systems, uh, sorry, Windows Intune. Um, is it there yet? Um, it's okay, it's okay. Um, I mean, you, you've now got the capabilities to really focus on Windows security. You can deploy patching, you can deploy applications. Um, uh, you can, you know, manage and control things like Android platforms uh, and also the um, the iOS platforms as well, and also WebOS as well. 
So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's getting pretty good. The interface is getting much better than what it was. Okay. So I, I hear a lot of companies talking, uh, like I follow the Spiceworks uh, channel, for example. Spiceworks yeah. is for smaller businesses. And I hear a lot of talk about using other, maybe uh, we'll call it MDM platforms that maybe we haven't heard of. Do you think it's, it's safe to pick something that's not well known, not well tested, maybe it's better? Or do you recommend the two pillars that we know of and that would be um, Intune or Airwatch? Um, I will be honest that the vast majority of customers that I speak to are probably go with the AirWatch solution. That's considered the facto standard. But I would say like any other um, product out there, we know Microsoft are like a bull in a china shop uh, and they will keep coming at you until they have the best product. So I have no doubt that Windows Intune will pick up pace. Um, of course, another thing we're also talking about at the moment, if you want to start talking about Intune, is EMS, the Enterprise Mobility Management Suite. So again, this is very much geared for, I would say, hybrid customers. So customers that have made the move to the cloud, but are also have a heavy hybrid environment as well. And they want to do their mobile device management within the whole cloud infrastructure. Um, so yeah. It's an interesting um, topic, but I, I think at the moment I would probably put AirWatch slightly above Intune at the moment, if I was to be honest. Okay. And what are some other things you would recommend? Sort of Security 101, uh, just a, a basic checklist for people who are uh, new to the concept of like, okay, we need to lock down our company and we need to have a, a guideline of everything that's important and make sure we're not missing anything. So I put a lot no, of pressure on you there. You don't have to tell them everything. No, <laughs> no, no, no pressure, no pressure. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about a company, so I assume we're talking about a company as opposed to an individual. You can't, you know, we talk about security and we, we automatically assume that it's just computer security. The topic of information security is a huge area. So a company needs to have a good, solid security policy, um, you know, a good set of procedures to that they can put into place in the what if scenario. So if they get hit with malware, if there's a fire, if there's some kind of data breach in their organization, you can't run around like a headless chicken. You need it. You need to flip over and go, okay, right. There's a procedure for that. Let's deal with it. Um, like I said earlier, patch everything. Make sure that you've got good, solid antivirus solutions. Um, make sure that you've got a good um, security policy for dealing with um, access to, you know, your common desktop. Is your is the user's desktop, um, you know, are users allowed to do anything that they like, or has it been uh, cut down? Um, do you have VPN access? Um, you know, identity and authentication. Are you using things like single sign-on in your organization? There's a whole bunch of things that you could do. Um, but in terms of best practices, patch, keep your systems up to date, have good security and access procedures. Um, definitely think about things like multi-factor authentication. Don't rely on usernames and passwords. And I think multi-factor authentication is so much easier now because you've got you've got things like fingerprints, you've got facial scans. So biometrics is really has made that a lot easier. 
And what about social engineering, this idea of a lot of breaches come from people inside your company who are not even necessarily malicious, but they may have extra privileges because they needed them for one little thing that they didn't treat with proper care, or they may be sharing information without like going through process because in every conversation, some people aren't thinking, gee, am I following corporate security policy in my chat with this person who's on the phone or in our lobby? Um, so, is that an issue, and, and what should companies do? Totally. So absolutely that's an issue. Um, in fact, um, it's it's 80% all of security attacks come from within an organization. That's oh. well documented. Um, and some of the reasons for that, stupidity, of course. You know, they say there's, a, there's never a patch for stupidity, unfortunately. I, I disagree with that. I think good training, good security awareness training is, is absolutely paramount. Um, so once you've taken them through training, then they really have no excuse. They've signed a, a, an agreement. They've signed um, an awareness agreement that basically says, okay, we know, you know, we have a web access policy. We have an email access policy. We have a VPN policy within the organization. There really is no excuse. Um, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So that makes sense. Just clarify the policy and train them so that they, even if they aren't thinking about it that hard, they know and they can do the right thing, which we assume that mostly they want to do. Sure. Sure. Mostly they want to do. Um, but it's all, it's about, um, I mean, Microsoft have a, a, a piece of software called data loss prevention. Um, and we're all guilty of, you know, in, in the, in days past, if I shared a file or a folder on my system, you know, you might find that you become a member of a different group and a different group and a different group. And what we're seeing is an escalation of privilege, right? So, you know, you might have access to files and, and folders that you really shouldn't have access to. Or how many times do we share files and folders and we forget to uh, remove those permissions? And then suddenly two years down the line, it's, oh, I forgot about that you know, that's that's a real problem. So, you know, the vendors are looking at that now. So for example, uh, OneDrive for Business, you don't, you know, it's considered good practice that you don't send an email with an attachment anymore. You send them a link to the document. So when they click on the link, you can control the link. You can control it through things like rights management, but you can also set expiration dates on files so you can say hey look you know after 30 days this file's no good to you and with the use of things like rights management you can say hey i'm going to send you this file you can look at it you can you can read it uh, but you can't forward it and you can't print it and you can't cut copy and paste from it that is great and that prevents things like i, I like to call it data leakage prevention Andy, I have to be honest, it sounds like you're telling me that if I want security and control, then I need to move my company to the cloud. It's, I don't have time anymore to be staying in an on-prem environment. Is that true? Not necessarily, no. Um, is the, Will you eventually go to the cloud? Yes, I do. Um, amazing, the number of companies that say, look, we're just not moving to the cloud. It's never gonna happen. I think you're dreaming. It, it is ha it's, not, it's not a case of, it, will it happen? It's a case of it is happening right now. Um, I think you, when you start looking at, you know, products like uh, Azure AD Connect, for example, 
What is Azure AD Connect? It's a solution to connect your on-premises Active Directory with Azure Active Directory. Um, but probably what you don't realize that is probably within a couple of years, there will be no more on-premises Active Directory. So Active Directory will only be available through the cloud. Uh, and people go, oh, well, what happens if we lose power? How will we get access? It will be cached on your systems, very much like applications are today. So, you know, the world is very much moving to the cloud. Um, now, of, of course, it's not going to suit everybody. So, you know, if you, you know, a particular type of business, it, it may happen more slowly for you than others, you know, but I think it will happen. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to ask you about something that's become sort of a hot topic that we certainly didn't hear about in years past, and that's the dark web. Um, oh. So how, how can I block Tor? What is it? Uh, how do I block it, and how do I defend against it? Well, the Tor, or the Onion Router, um, it, it was originally started by, of course, by the US military. And it was a very noble cause to start with. Um, it was It's basically a... Uh, kind of a shielded, um, I suppose, what do they call it? A, sh a shielded network, if you will. Uh, and the idea, a very, very clever system. Um, you can, when you connect to it, it's like you're connecting through the different layers of an onion. So if I was trying to monitor you, I can only see the previous layer and the next layer. So be being able to trace somebody right back is near impossible. And, uh, and in its day, this was a very good thing because, you know, there are people in the world that need a voice that are maybe being oppressed. Um, so you need to get the news out. You need to get their their point of view out um, for, you know, for example, North Korea or Saudi Arabia or wherever in the world where people may feel oppressed. And Tor was very much a platform for that. But of course, the bad guys have got on board with it now, which means that there's all kinds of illicit bad things, you know, uh, you know, um, adult material, uh, weapons, drugs, all kinds of nasty stuff. So um, the problem is, though, of course, anybody can download it. Uh, you can download a Tor client, which is the onion, the onion router client. You can install it, and there you go. Um, so from a parent's perspective, from a, let's say, a school or a college perspective, it's really important that you want to try and close that off or shut that down. Uh, there are a large number of firewall products that actually are pretty intelligent now, and they can actually disable the traffic. Um, but, you know, Tor is fighting back, you know, uh, so they're, they're getting pretty good at actually blocking those systems. And it seems to be a tit for tat type process at the moment. But I think it's really important that uh, folks out there should be aware of the dark web. Um, I actually did a, um, a session at uh, Microsoft TechEd uh, before it was Ignite a few years ago called The Dark Web Rises. Um, and you can find that via my Twitter page. Um, I'll give you the details later. Yeah, I'll just jump in now and say that is at Andy Malone. And um, yeah. yeah, we might as well throw it out now. Well, that's all really great information. Thank you so much, Andy, for joining us and for sharing your knowledge about cybersecurity. Um, before we go out, I think we want to do something that Amy calls Would You Rather. <laughs> Amy, do you have a Would You Rather for Andy? 
I do have a would you rather. It's kind of on a sci-fi topic and it hits with the uh, dark web where you're talking about seeing one layer into the next and you talked about time travel at one point. So here we go. Would you rather be able to see 10 minutes into your own future or 10 minutes into the future of everybody else but yourself? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I think I would go 10 minutes with everybody else. Nice. Yeah, I think I would. Very noble. The reason for that is you might get the lottery numbers. You know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say he's necessarily noble. This just might be a better way to take their things. <laughs> okay, thank you so I'm much. Hoping, I'm hoping, you know. <laughs> you can, uh, you can, you can uh, find out about everything Andy's doing that we talked about today at andymalone.org. We mentioned the t the Twitter. It's at Andy Malone. Andy's on LinkedIn and all of that stuff. Andy, thank you so much again. And Amy, thank you. You all have a wonderful day. Thank you. Hi, everybody.